Amen. I like that part of the song where it talks about God's fire. And God desires to consume every part of us, doesn't he? And when we come to a relationship with Jesus Christ, he just doesn't want part of our life. I think sometimes we can come to God and we can say, God, you can have Sunday morning. I'll give you that hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. That, that's part of my life. And then, and then we go home and we, we go about our week and then we, we kind of set our own plans and our own agenda. But, but Jesus says, I want every part of your life. I want your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I, I, want, I want it all. And I want to be able to consume your life with my Holy Spirit. And I just want to encourage you that, that God's presence is available to you every single day. You, you can wake up in the morning and say, God, I give you this day. I want you to consume me. I want you to consume every, every part of me. If there's, if there's something that I've kept from you, if there's something that I've hidden from you, Lord, I, I want my life to be so open and vulnerable to you that, that I give you access to every part of my life. How many you know that, that God knows everything about you? That, that he, he knows all the hidden things already. And, and sometimes I think we fool ourselves into believing, well, here's a part of my life that, that is shameful, that, that I'm not really proud of. And we, we try to put it in that, that back closet where, all the, where we keep all our stuff that we don't know has been there for 10 years, right? And when we think God doesn't know about it, but God says, listen, open up that closet. Allow me in. Allow me to, to clean up your life for you. Allow me to consume every part of your life. Do you realize that, that the greatest thing we can do for the Lord is to give him access to every part of our life and to say, God, I, I, I know this is a shameful part of my life or my past or what I'm going through, but Lord, I, I want to humble myself before you and, and I know that you love me and I know that your grace is available to me and I know your forgiveness is available to me. And that's what God loves. God loves when we humble ourselves before him. He already knows it, but he's waiting for us to come to him and be vulnerable and, and, and expose that part of our life to him so that he can deal with us, right? That, that, that he can begin to minister to us, that he can begin to, to change us. But, but it starts with us becoming vulnerable before the Lord and saying, God, I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything and I need you to help me in this area of my life because I'm, I'm struggling in this area of my life, God, and I need just to humble myself before you and I need your strength in this area of my life because I can't do it without you. God loves that. That's what God desires in your heart. Amen? So allow his fire to come down. Allow it to consume every part of you. Allow his Holy Spirit to fill you and to give you boldness and, and, and just to expose those areas of your life that need to be exposed that God can use you to the fullest because that's what he desires to do each and every day in your life. Amen? So let's pray and we can go home. That was good. That was a sermon all in, it, in itself. Amen? So, so God, just, God, we just, we, we come before you today. Lord, we're, we're just, we, we all have our issues. God, we all have our struggles. And Lord, we ask that, that, that you would fall upon us today in a new and a fresh way as we open up your word. God, we know that your word is living and it's active and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. Lord, we know that it can permeate and, and God, it can expose things that nothing else can. And, and God, as we have come here this morning and we've lifted up your name and, and we've lifted up our hands and if we worshiped you, God, as we, as we just open up your word now, we pray that you would do something great in our hearts. God, we pray that there would be an anticipation as we finish up this series on heaven 
That God, we would anticipate knowing you and coming into your presence and knowing that we are going to be with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords for the rest of eternity. God, I pray for anyone here today that is just hopeless, that's struggling today, that's struggling to find meaning in this world today, that's struggling to find understanding for why they've gone through the things that they've gone through. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts today for us to realize that you have prepared something for all of those who have put their trust in you that we can't even begin to understand or comprehend. I pray, God, that that would put such a a joy and anticipation in our hearts that it changes the way we live our lives today. God, breathe anew and afresh on us today. Lord, we need to be awakened. Lord, we need your spirit to lead us and guide us because it's so easy to get apathetic. Lord, it's so easy to allow the things of this world to dampen your joy that you desire to give us each and every day. God, may you just give us a new joy today knowing that God, you have prepared for us something that we can't even understand or comprehend. And we just love you today. And we thank you for your word that just challenges us, that leads us and guides us and corrects us and leads us in all areas of righteousness. And we just give you this time now. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, I was uh, at a funeral some years ago for um, a pastor's wife that Kathleen and I served under in South Carolina for eight years. And uh, she died in a tragic car accident, Tanya Burbacher. She was actually spoke at our church many times and was actually our ladies, uh, did ladies retreats for us many years in a row. And there was something about that funeral that is, ha, has just embedded in my mind because here is a young woman and um, um, I say young because she was like 50, so praise God, she was young. And um, here, here's someone that just tragically died in this car accident that made no sense. And... Um, and I can remember at the funeral, her dad it was a pastor, pastored his whole life. And uh, you're, you're looking at a grieving husband that three children, grieving children, a, you know, a grieving dad and a mom. And uh, I can remember her dad just got up there and, and began to speak. And it was such a powerful moment for me because here you have such a, a difficult time a difficult death, hard to understand. And here's what her dad said, and it just has been embedded in my mind. He just stood there and he said, you know what? Tanya's in heaven right now. Tanya's in heaven right now. And there was such a, he just kept saying it. And there was such a joy and such a anticipation that there was without a shadow of doubt that we knew, that we knew, that we knew where she was. And that's the hope that we have when we're dealing with the difficult stuff in our life. And her dad was just like, Tanya's in heaven. I just went all Pentecostal. I jumped up. I'm like, how? I mean, it was just so exciting to know that death cannot hold us down any longer. That, can I get a name N830 people? Okay. Listen, here's the exciting thing of being a follower of Jesus Christ. That this earth is not the end. That for those that are in Christ Jesus, there's an anticipation that we will be with the Lord forever. 
That there's not this hopelessness that the world lives with today. Just like, what happens after? I don't know what happens after I die. And there's just, man, if, 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 if you don't have a hope and an understanding of what happens after you die, Jesus Christ is the answer. Christ is the one who conquered the grave and set for us the example of what would happen for those that put their trust in him. And so the Bible says there's no more sting of death anymore for those who have put their hope. Yes, we grieve for those that we've lost, but listen, they're not unhappy. They're with the Lord. And I think we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes as we travel through this earth, that yes, we're going to go through pain and we're going to go through discomfort and there's going to be trials in our life, but I want to encourage you today that Jesus said to his disciples, If I leave you and when I leave you, I go to prepare a place for you. And in my father's house are many rooms, many mansions, many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Trust me, trust my father also. And if I go, I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. You've got nothing to worry about. So my prayer for you today is that the sting of death would no longer hold its grip over your heart. That the fear of death would no longer hold its grip over your heart for those that are in Christ Jesus. Because what Jesus does for us is he takes away the pain and the sting of death. And so what I want to do today is there are so many questions about heaven that people have. And so what I want to do as we finish up this heaven series is I want to talk about the five most asked questions about heaven. Some are, are, are really kind of silly, but they're asked and people want to know. And so I'm going to answer it for you the best I can. I'll probably get some hate mail, but that's okay. I'm going to try to do as best I can to answer them. Um, but how many of you realize that our life is but a vapor? The, the scriptures tell us it's here one moment and gone the next. How many of you know, like me, those of you that were parents and you had kids, how fast that period of like 30 to 40 went, right? And then 40 to 50, I, I'm pushing 48 this year. Let's pray right now. Jesus, help me. I'm push, push, pushing 50. My kids, I got a 12-year-old, a 15-year-old, and, and you, you know, I, I, I got old kids, 16. They're all old now, man. They're all teenagers, and, I, and I'm feeling it. Help me, Jesus. I'm feeling it now. And, and, and those times go so fast, and you're like, what happened? I'm looking at Kathleen go, where did 23 years of marriage go? It just, it, it, it goes by as fast, and the older you get, the, 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 the faster it goes. And we realize that our life is, is just but a vapor. And, and the Bible talks about eternity, that for those who are in Christ Jesus, they're going to be in eternity with heaven. What, eternity. Can you even wrap your mind around eternity? It's so hard. Our life, if, if you took all the sand and all the world and put it all together, and you would take out one speck of sand, that wouldn't even compare to what our lives are compared here, compared to what eternity is going to hold. So we're going to... We're going to spend a lot of time in heaven. And so, have you ever just put your mind around it? Like, what are we going to be doing? What, what, what's going to happen in heaven? 
And so the Bible does give us a little glimpse on what heaven is going to be like. So what I want to do is, as we kind of wrap up this series, is I want to look at five most questions uh, about heaven that people ask. And, and these are pastor pastoring for going on 24 years now. These are all the questions that I've got. Actually, it's eight, but I'm only going to give you five today because I'm doing the top five um, if I did eight, I would have had, it would have been way too long. So I'm going to give you five. And, uh, but, but these are, these are, are questions that everybody asks and they're wondering, and what does the Bible have to say uh, about these things? So let's just jump into it. These are the five most popular questions asked about heaven. Let's just jump into this question. Number one, will I need a watch in heaven? Question number one, will I need a watch in heaven? Will we need alarm clocks in heaven will will time be an issue for us in heaven how many of you are just you are so strict about keeping a schedule how many of you hate when you are on time how many of you are married to somebody who isn't as strict as you are about time and that drives you crazy how many of you live with somebody and they're like, hey, whatever, man. They like live in Jamaica, man. Hey, who cares? Hey, it's and you're like, no, we've got to be there now. We're late. Um, I, I, I love the verse in the wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace, which says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we know less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we know less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So what, what do the scriptures have to say about time and, and how God looks at time? Peter gives us a glimpse here in 2 Peter 3, 8 when he says, but, but, but we do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. Time is absolutely no constraint for God. God can create uh, the world and create us and animals and things in six days. Big deal, big whoop for God. God, it's, it's, there's no constraint for God. Um, we will not worry about time or, or, or deadlines. One thing that I really disliked about college was at the beginning of the semester, you would get the syllabus for your class and the teacher would outline the, the, the year for you and give you all the deadlines when all your papers were due. Now, this was overwhelming the first week because you had these classes and they said, okay, all these papers are due. These are when your tests are going to be due. And it was just so overwhelming. Like, how am I going to get all this done? You see, there's going to be no more pressure Will I make it on time if I just had more time? How many of us buy the lie? We say, if I just had more time. Well, we all know that we, we, we say, well, if I just had more time and if I just relieve this one thing out of my life, how many know something else takes up that very spot? It just does. We have so much time living here on earth. Um, we, we, we're pressured by when things are due and it gets overwhelming. If I just had more time, if I just got my taxes done on time, if I could just arrive at church on time, praise God. Let's pray about that. Jesus, may we just get to church on time? Just, can you just get that one right? Okay. So, so when we've arrived and we are in our final destination, there's going to be no more worries. 
And, and this time is not going to be a, a constraint. Think about the, the thing that you enjoy the most, the thing that you like doing the most. How many know when you enjoy doing something, just, you just enjoy doing it, time just flies by? How many when you take a vacation for a week, you're like, oh man, it felt like it was just one day right? It, when we enjoy doing it, when I fish, I mean, listen, when I'm fishing, 10 hours on a boat goes by like five minutes. I'm just teasing, I'm not 10 hours. But it, it happened when you're three, four hours doing something that you enjoy. Some of you hunters this year, you're sitting in a deer stand. It's freezing cold out. I don't know why you do that, but God bless you. You're looking for that deer, right? Looking for that big buck and you're sitting in a stand and it's freezing cold out and time just flies by because you're anticipating when that big buck is going to come by. And you're, <laughs> right? You're just, it's, it's, it's same with me. When you're fishing, you're thinking this next cast could be the one, could be the big fish. So it, it just, it goes by. But here's the thing I want you to realize. When we're in heaven, we're going to be so consumed with God that time isn't going to matter anymore. It's just not going to matter. We're going to be so consumed with who God is and his presence and his glory and serving him that time is just not going to matter. So we're not going to have that pressure of constraints and deadlines and I've got to get here and I've got to do that. I've got to go here and we're like running, running around like chickens with our heads cut off half the time, right? Going nowhere fast in a hurry. We're not going to have to worry about that when we get to heaven. Time is not a constraint for God. Question number two. Will we know, this, this question I get asked all the time, will we know people in heaven? Will we know people? Do we get to heaven, we just won't know anybody? Will we actually know people in heaven? Let me give you a couple passages here. Uh, that speak of, of what we will be like when we get to heaven. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. For, let me give you a couple passages here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 47 and 49. Uh, Paul speaking about this once again. He said, the first man was from earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Verse 49 says, just as we have been born in the image of, of man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. And so what we have to look forward to is we will become like Christ. Our new bodies are now imperishable, Paul talks about in that same chapter. We will be raised in glory, raised in power, spiritual, not fleshly. Our bodies are now not from this earth, but from heaven, and we now bear the image of Christ. Our earthly bodies, which were mortal, will now become immortal, Paul says. And so... Jesus, when he was resurrected, he, he gave us an example of what will happen when we conquer death. Jesus conquered death, and he was raised. And he was raised from the grave to conquer death and sin, to set an example for you and I of what will happen. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Even though we die, we will live. 
So we will eventually conquer that death and, and God will give us new resurrected bodies. Now here's the question. Will, will we look the same? Will, will we be recognizable? Will we have the same? Well, here's a couple examples that we can see in scripture. Well, Jesus was recognizable after his resurrection. I mean, he even appeared to many after his resurrection and before his ascension to, to show them and to teach them all the things and to reiterate all the things he taught them well on earth and, and, and to show Thomas the, the, the nail scars in his hands. He will be recognizable. Moses and Elijah were recognizable at the Mount of Transfiguration. And so this raises the question, what about if a, a young child dies and goes to heaven or, or an elderly person who who dies and goes to heaven? Will, will they, will babies still be babies in heaven? Will, will elderly people look elderly in, in heaven? What, what's the question? Well, biblically, we don't really know for sure, but 1 John 3, 2 tells us that we will be like him. Does that mean children or babies are fast forward to an ideal age, maybe 33, like when Jesus died? Um, we all know that our resurrected bodies will be heavenly or immortal, but we don't know for sure about that. But, but one thing we do know for sure is this. I will be six foot ten and slam dunk a basketball. So we know that for sure um, and to be able to throw a football 75 yards. See, we, we, but we don't, we don't know for sure, but we know that we will have this semblance of something that is recognizable about us. But, but here's, here's the goal that I want to show you. The, the goal is, yes, we will be reunited with, with those that have gone on before us. Even the Hebrew writer says there, there's this great cloud of, of witnesses that have gone on before us that we can look to that say, hey, they made it. We can make it too. And in, in Hebrews chapter 11, you can read all those people that by faith trusted God who would gain access to what the gift that God desired to give them in heaven. And we can look to them and be encouraged when we're going through difficult times and say, hey, so-and-so, this person, this person, they, 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 they overcame huge obstacles and God blessed them. And they trusted the Lord by faith and they were able to go to heaven. And so we are going to be reunited with others, which is going to be, uh, which is going to be great and wonderful. But here's the thing. Here's our goal. It's not necessarily to be reunited with others, which is cool, but it will be to be with Jesus forever. I can remember I was, I, I'm a hospice chaplain at the Pines of Peace and, and they'll call me once in a while to go over there and pray with people um, and minister to them that may not have a minister. And I can remember praying with one woman. It was a, a, a mom of a, of a woman that goes to our church here and I talking to her and she was a Sunday school teacher her whole life and just loved Jesus and we got chatting. And, and so I just asked her, I said, I said, can I ask you a question? I said, what are you most looking forward to when you get to heaven? She goes, that's a great question. She goes, you know what I'm looking most forward to? It's not so much. She, th this woman has been through a lot, lost a child, husband. I mean, she went through a whole lot in her life. And, and this is what she said. She goes, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to be with the Lord. And I said, sister, you and I are on the same page. Me too. I can't wait to see Christ. Can you think about this for a moment? Can you imagine all these years us worshiping Jesus and then we're going to see him for who he is? Can you imagine that? 
All these years we've been worshiping, we've been praying to him, we, you know, we, we've been calling out to the Lord and, 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 and loving him, and then we're actually going to be able to see Jesus for who he really is. Wrap your arms around him. I just can't imagine. I can't wait. It's just going to be amazing that day that we get to see Jesus. So, yeah, we'll probably know what we look like. We're going to know other people, and we're going to be able to fellowship with other people, which is going to be really cool. But the main thing is we're going to be able to see Jesus. Question number three. Get this question asked a lot, and this question was posed to Christ. Will there be marriage in heaven? Will I be with the same person in, in heaven? Will we be married? Will, what, what's going to happen with that? And uh, this is an interesting question because Jesus was posed this question from a group of religious people who tried to trap him and basically ask, say to him, listen, there is a woman with seven husbands. Which one will she be married to after the resurrection of the dead? Some of these uh, slick, so-called uh, smart Smart alecky religious people tried to trap Jesus on this one. And uh, there was an Old Testament law that said basically if a woman lost her husband, that the brother in law was to marry her. Now, this woman had, had lost seven. And it's like, I had the question, what was this woman doing? <laughs> what in the world going on there? Killing off all these men. I'd be asking the other question, why are all these dead men hanging? So, anyways. Um, so they try to trick him and say, which one? And, and Jesus responded to them in Matthew chapter 22. He responded to them by saying that there would be no marriage or people getting married in heaven. And remember this, that, that, that our earthly marriage is a shadow of what is to come. And there is a perfect marriage that we will be united with Christ. Because every, every earthly marriage is symbolic of ultimately our, our union with Christ. And so eventually there's going to be this marriage supper of the Lamb where we're going to be united with Christ. And what I love about this is that, is that Christ is the perfect husband. Christ is perfect in all he does. And that doesn't mean we're not going to have relationships. The difference is that they will be pure without defilement. And, and it will all be completed when we get to heaven and when we have that perfect relationship with Jesus Christ. So marriage on earth is a foreshadow or should be a foreshadowing of Christ. And, and our marriages should look like that relationship that we have with Jesus. Jesus said, husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved the church and gave himself for her. There's that sacrificial, unconditional love that if it's seen right within a marriage relationship is very symbolic of our relationship with Christ and what Jesus Christ has done for us. Amen? So there will be no need for that when we get to heaven. Okay, number four. I want to spend a little time on this because this is probably one of the most controversial questions about heaven that we get asked, right? And a lot of people have strong opinions about this. So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to tackle this question today, okay? So if I'm going to get any emails or kickback, it's probably going to be on this one question. Are you ready? Are you guys here with me this morning? Can I? Anybody here? Okay, just checking. Just love you, 830 crowd. Just waking up. All right, question number four. Will there be animals in heaven or will we see our pets 
again. That's my pet Mopsy. Is that not the cutest dog in the world? Can I get an amen? Mopsy will be in heaven, by the way, okay? Cats, no, dogs, yes. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. So the question is, will we see Mopsy again? Will, will Mopsy be up in heaven? Cute little fluffy white 18, six, however much she weighs, Mopsy. Will, will your pet be in heaven? How many of you have ever wondered about this? Okay, you're, if you haven't raised your hand, you're lying, okay? Because you have, okay? So let, let, me, let, 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 let me tackle this question, because this question is probably asked more about children. So if you had a really mean pet, you're like, no, they're going to hell because I don't like those mean pets, okay? So, so the question is, and this is asked by children, so I thought I would step out on a ledge and try to tackle this. How many of you, you love your pet? How many of you, they get, you, I'm attached to Mopsy. L- listen, when I come home after being in the office at church here, guess who the first person is to greet me? Mopsy. Guess who licks my face and, and just can't wait to see me? Mopsy. Hey, Kathleen ain't doing that. Guess who brings me my slippers? Mopsy. Right? No, I'm teasing about the slipper. I have to train her on that one. Right? They, 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 don't, they don't care. You know what I mean? They're, they just, there's unconditional love that you just get from your pets, don't they? They're just there, except if you have a cat. But anyways, the dogs are great. They just, they just love you. So we, we love our pets, and so we wonder, what is the future of our pets? Okay, you can take Mopsy down. There we go. Mopsy's so cute. Okay, so... I love this humorous. Will Rogers said this. If there are no dogs in heaven, then when I die, I want to I go where they went. <laughs> so, so, you know, those of you that have pets, whether it's, you know, dogs, horses, cats, snakes, weird people, whatever you have, okay, the, the, the question we need to ask is what is God's plan for animals? Because we realize that they are part of God's creation, aren't they? So... In his book on heaven, Randy Elkhorn just tackles this question, and he makes some interesting observations about this. Randy Elkhorn poses an interesting question by saying, Jesus proclaims at the end of the book of Revelation, behold, I am making all things new. So what does it mean when Jesus means, when he says, I'm making all things? Is, is, it, is it not just people, but the earth also? Does this include animals? Well, Randy Aircorn thinks it, it does. And what he says is, he says, Jesus seems to be saying that I'll take all that I've made the first time, including people and nature and animals and the earth itself, and bring it back as new, fresh, and indestructible. And we know, we know, we know, we know, we know that Jesus didn't die for Mopsy, okay? Jesus didn't die for your pet. People are made in God's image, not animals. We were to rule over animals in the garden. We sinned. We needed a redeemer, not animals. So let me make that clear before we go any further. But there's an interesting passage in Romans chapter 8, verses 21 and 23, which says this, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole, listen, the whole creation, creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves. We who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Randy Elkhorn states, he says, this is a clear statement of our resurrection, the redemption of our bodies. We bring deliverance not only to us, according to this passage in Romans, but also the rest of creation, which has been groaning in its suffering. This seems to indicate that on the new earth, after mankind's resurrection, animals who have once suffered on the old earth will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Now, I think these things are interesting, and, but to be honest with you, we don't have any clear, firm, biblical answers when it comes to this very topic. I do know one thing, that there are horses in heaven because Jesus comes back on one, okay? So all you horse lovers say, amen, okay? And I'm going to be right next to him. I first thought I'd be on a donkey next to Jesus, but I'll be on a horse too, and I'll learn how to ride when I get to heaven, okay? So Jesus comes back, we know, in, 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 on a white horse. But um, I, I, um, let me just, I, I read this, and I just thought it was kind of cool. Uh, many of you know who Johnny Erickson Todd is. She's a quadriplegic and uh, just awesome testimony about what God has done in her life from that terrible swimming accident in the Chesapeake Bay. And uh, she wrote a book on heaven. And this is what she says about this very topic. And I just thought it was cool. And if any of you can get anything by Johnny Erickson, read it. So good. She's such a good writer. And uh, God has used her tremendously in many ways. But she says this. I just thought it was interesting. She goes, if God brings our pets back to life, it wouldn't surprise me. It would be just like him. Wouldn't it be like God just to surprise us, to lavish his love on us? It would be in total keeping with his generous character, exorbitant, excessive, extravagant, in grace after grace. Of all the dazzling discoveries and ecstatic pleasures heaven will hold for us, the potential of seeing Scrappy would be pure whimsy, utterly joyful, surprisingly super flurious, whatever that means. Heaven is going to be a place that will refract and reflect in as many ways possible the goodness and the joy of our great God who delights in lavishing his children with his love. thought that was a good quote. Randy El Elkhorn goes on to say, he goes on one other note, he says, let us not correct our children and grandchildren when they pray that they'll be able to see their pets again. The answer to that prayer is up to God, but he loves to hear the prayers of his children and there is a scriptural reason to believe he may answer those prayers. Remember too that our children's instinctive grasp of heaven and what we should look forward to there is sometimes better than our own. So once again, let me state this so I don't get any emails here. Let me just state this once again. It will be our joy in seeing Jesus. That is first and foremost. And to me, 
that will be enough. But if he tends to surprise us in other ways, I say bring it on. And it would be just like God. So there you go. Let's move on. Question number five. Here is probably the really one of the most, and this is why I want to spend a little time on this question because this is probably one of the most asked questions uh, about heaven is basically what will we be doing in heaven? Will, you know, will we be sitting on a cloud playing a harp all day in heaven? Is that what we're going to be doing? Like a Bugs Bunny cartoon, everybody dies in Bugs Bunny, they get wings and they sit on the cloud and they play a harp. Is that what we're uh, going to be doing? Uh, we have this picture, unfortunately, this picture of heaven that it will be boring and that hell will be the party place. Have you ever had your friends say, oh, I want to go to hell because I'm just going to have this endless party with my friends. And heaven seems to be this uh, boring place. Um, I, how many of you ever watched the Twilight Zone? You got, okay, good. Um, I love the Twilight Zone, so this is going to be a spoiler alert. But there's this one Twilight Zone episode that maybe some of you had. Remember Rod uh, Serling here from Syracuse, New York? Um, there was an interesting thing. I tried to find a picture with him with a cigarette in his hand, but I, I, we couldn't find one because beginning of every episode, he had a cigarette in his hand. It was pretty funny. Um, but there was, this, there was this Twilight Zone episode um, about someone that died and in, in so-called went... To heaven, And what was interesting about this episode, it was this guy named Rocky who kills a security guard and tries to get away and he, he ends up being shot by a police officer. And Rocky ends up in what he thinks is heaven. And there's this man named Pip who is his guide and everything that Rocky wants is given to him. Month after month of, of this just getting everything to his heart's desire, he begins to go crazy. And he wants out, and he wants to go to hell. He goes, I can't take heaven. There's just too much given to me. And, and, and so he thinks he needs to go to hell and really get what he deserves. And when he says that he wants to go to the other place, he receives this answer from Pip, his guide. And Pip says, what makes you think this is heaven? This is the other place. And Pitt begins to laugh. And Rocky tries at the end of the show, tries to escape hell. You see, here's, here's what I want you to understand. That Jesus gives us a glimpse into heaven. The Bible gives us a glimpse into heaven. But it is not going to be boring. And I think sometimes for us, we, 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 we fail to comprehend what God has truly prepared for those who have put their trust in him. How many of you, can I just ask you, how many of you, when, when we try to pleasure ourselves with the things of this earth, we just tend to get bored with it after a while? Don't we? Don't we? We, we think, well, if I can just get, and, and see, that, that, that's the, that's the, bad part of our heart is that we always want bigger and better and better and bigger and better and because there, there's something in our heart that's never satisfied. And so just like Rocky in the, in the Twilight episode, he, he said, listen, th th he got everything that his heart's desire and, and guess what? That's hell. Because we're trying to feed ourselves and, and it can never be satisfied. It's an empty pit. It's, a, it's an ugly monster that can never be consumed, that can never consume enough. And we, so we, we just keep wanting more and more and more and more 
and more and more until we're just not happy. And God says, I've created everything for my glory. And how much more do you enjoy things when you understand that they're for God's glory? Can you imagine if if you look at your home or the things that you enjoy doing and you say, God, this is for your glory and I thank you for all these things. And I want these things that I do and whatever I do for you, for your glory, how much deeper do they go and how much more satisfying are they when we give them back to God for his purposes and his good pleasure? See, that, that, that's the interesting thing about giving to the Lord. When we honor God, because God, doesn't God give us everything? When we honor God in our giving and we bless him and we just say, God, it's all yours anyways, and we give back to the Lord, it feels good, doesn't it? Why? Why does it feel good to give? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Because you're not consuming. It doesn't end. When we just feed ourselves and consume on ourselves and everything is about me, how many know that that's so short-lived? And then I got to go on to the next thing. And I got to go on the better thing. And, and it just never, never ends. See, God says, I've created heaven for my glory and you can be a part of it. I've created you for my glory. I want you to be a part of it and understand something that's so much deeper than anything that you could ever enjoy on this earth. You see, Jesus said to the thief next to him on the cross who put his faith in Christ Jesus, Jesus said to him, today you will be with me in paradise. The, the word paradise there literally means a park or an, uh, or an Eden, a place of future happiness. The, the word paradise is taken from the Hebrew word, which literally means park, forest, or orchard. See, Jesus was, was careful when he chose this word paradise because it's more than just a park, but it's the paradise of God waiting for us. Does that sound boring to you? I can remember um, when we went to Phoenix last year to visit my nephew who's serving at a church there. And we we're going to take the three and a half, four hour drive from Phoenix to the Grand Canyon. And I remember I, could, I couldn't wait. I've never been there. And those of you that have been to Grand Canyon, this is the picture I took from my, from my smartphone. And when we got there, it's like you drive into the park, you park in the park, and there's this trail, this you know, paved thing that goes up to the thing. I know what to expect. You, know, you see pictures like this and you're like, oh yeah, it just looks like a big hole in the ground. You know, it's like, okay, we're driving four and a half hours to see a big hole in the ground. And I come in there anticipating that, I go, you know, and I just, I remember walking up there and I remember as we got up and I looked over the edge and I'm like, <sighs> and I think I tinkled myself just a little bit, but I was just so scary because, because you're looking 4,000 feet down. It's just, and you're looking 10 miles across. I was telling my kids, it's like standing at our house and, 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 looking past Wegmans and Webster. That's even further than that, that you're looking across. It's just, it's hard to wrap your mind. And I actually got emotional. I was like, God, you're so good. This is incredible. I started worshiping God and, and all these Japanese tourists around me are, what are you doing? What are you doing? What's going on here? He's going crazy. What's wrong with this man? Get away from him. Okay, there it was. But listen, it was amazing to me, to see the splendor and the glory of God. How, listen, how much greater will heaven be? This paradise that God has prepared for those who trust him. 
Let me just give you a couple passages in closing here. Revelation, because John the Apostle has given this look into what heaven will look like. He says, no longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Revelation 21, he says, Paul, uh, John says, then he says, I heard a, a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with, is with men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God will be with them and, and, and be as their God and, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying or pain anymore for the former things have passed away. Isaiah, in Isaiah 25, says, And he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people will be taken away from their earth, for the Lord has spoken. Heaven will be beyond anything we will ever hope for. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2.9, he says, But it is written, no eye is seen, no ear is heard, no, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, he said this, I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country which I shall not find till after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that other country and to help others to do the same. Let me just say this for all of you who have gone through just a lot of stuff in your life, a lot of hardship in your life. It will be worth it all when we get to heaven. God is restoring everything. So here's the gospel message that's laced in with heaven. As God has redeemed you and restored you from, 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 from a life of sin and in the, the bondage of sin, and taken you out of the miry pit. As, as Jesus has snatched you from the fire of hell itself in God's judgment. He has restored you. Has, he has redeemed you. He has made you a new creation for those that are in Christ Jesus. For those you, who have put their hope and trust and faith in Jesus. He has redeemed you. God will also do with his creation. Behold, all things become new. And the Bible talks about this new heaven and new earth that will come down and rest on earth. God is restoring all things and he's making all things new. So all the trial, all the pain, all the stuff that we've gone through in our lives, God knows what you're going through and he uses those trials for his glory so that inside of you, it will give you an anticipation and a hope to look heavenward. And to say, God, it's going to be worth it all. As Paul said, he said, I have fought the good fight. I'm going to press on because I know that there's a reward waiting for me in heaven. Because I have endured. And I would tell you, for those of you that are discouraged today, for those of you that feel like giving up today, I would tell you today, 
Keep enduring. Do not give up. For God has prepared something for you that is beyond your imagination and it will be worth it all. The trial that you're going through now, Paul talks about, it's just, it's just temporary. It's just temporary. But God has prepared something beautiful and wonderful for those that have put their trust in him. I love what C.S. Lewis says at the end of that quote. He says, as much as I anticipate going, going to this new country, I have to allow others to come with me. And every time Jesus was asked about end times and what's going to happen, he did give us some glimpses in Matthew 24 and 25. But you know what? Jesus seemed to always turn it back around to evangelism. He always turned it back around of how are you living your lives today? Are you prepared today? Are you living for me today? Are you alert today? Are you ready today? And so the thought of heaven should quicken our hearts to say, what am I doing today to lead others to that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ? Because what we, what we, what we discussed over these last several weeks is heaven is not the default place or destination of the human soul. It's hell. And the way we rectify that is by putting our faith in Christ Jesus who overcame sin and death upon the cross and through his resurrection. And for those that have put their trust in Christ Jesus, they now do not have to worry about the judgment of God because their souls have been saved. They've been snatched, literally snatched from the fire of hell. And for those that have been redeemed, now awaits our reward. So some of us here, we just have to get to the point where we have to say, you know, Lord, listen, I'm not trying to minimize anything that you've gone through or the things that you've gone through in your past. But Jesus sympathizes with your weakness and your struggles that you've gone through. And, and he's not ignorant of those. And he's using those to deepen your faith in him if you allow him to do it. And I think when we go through a trial, there should be something intrinsically within every one of us that gives us a greater hope and anticipation for heaven. That it's going to be worth it all. That God, you've allowed me to go through this trial for a reason, but I know it's not haphazard. I know it's not on purpose. I know that, or it's not just with no purpose at all. I know you have a purpose for it, so I'm going to trust you through because I know you have something far greater for me. Paul understood that. All the apostles understood that. Peter understood that. Jesus wants you and I to understand that today. And I think what happens is living here on this earth, we get so comfortable, especially in America, that we lose sight of what we are going to gain when we get to heaven. So I want to pray for you today. And, and for those of you, I just have such a, such a sense in my spirit that some of you here today are just struggling either with depression or just being down and there's not this joy in your spirit of your salvation and you're just struggling with that today. And my prayer for you today is that you would allow your hope to be in Christ and what he has prepared for you. As much as possible, read every scripture that you can find in heaven and encourage yourself of what God has waiting for you and I. Encourage yourself. 
God hasn't left you. So allow the joy of the Lord to be your strength today. Allow God just to say, hey, I'm, I'm not leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. I've got something prepared. I know it stinks right now. I know it's hard. I know you've gone through some difficult. I know, I know, I know, I know. Jesus did too. He knows. He can sympathize with us. But don't allow it to take away from the joy that the Lord desires to give to you today and the hope that he desires to give to you today. Amen. So I want you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray for you. We're going to close in prayer today. And um, I want to pray for those of you today that just, uh, you're struggling today with your walk, which is okay. We all struggle with it. You're struggling with that joy and that hope of your salvation. Um, we all go through those times. And my prayer for you today is that, is that God would encourage you through his son, Jesus, that, um, that we would be like, Tanya's dad that has that anticipation about heaven that allow him to overcome his grief and his pain because he knew where his daughter was. God, thank you for heaven. A place that you have designed for your glory that for those who have been redeemed and called by your name can enjoy forever. Lord, I don't know all the details of it. I don't know exactly all the different things we're going to be doing. But I know one thing, it's going to be perfect. And there's nothing on this earth that could ever compare to what we will experience in heaven. And Lord, I just pray that you would encourage every heart here today that might be struggling, that might have a lack of just seal and hope in their heart today, Lord, I pray that you would just encourage them today. For anyone that's here today, Lord, that Lord is lost and just said, you know what? I haven't made that commitment to Christ. And um, my reservation is not, not sealed. It's not, it's not a done deal. Lord, your word says that anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray for any heart here today as they call upon the name of the Lord that they would put their trust in the only Son of God. The only way to heaven is through Christ Jesus. And they would put their trust in you. And that you would seal them with your Holy Spirit that they would have a hope that they could never find in this earth and that the sting of death would be removed from their life. We thank you for the hope that we have in Christ and the example that he set before us. We love you today. And we ask these things. In Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. 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 Let's stand today. Let's sing and um, let's rejoice in what God has prepared for us. God bless you as you just sing the Son of the Lord. God bless you.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we know that heaven rejoices when one sinner comes home. Heaven rejoices at the redemption of creation of, of us, God, who have been held captive because of sin. And Lord, we thank you that heaven will be the culmination of all that is good and perfect as we worship around the throne with every tongue and every tribe and every nation, God, that you have redeemed as your own. We thank you, God, for giving us all we needed to come to a saving knowledge of you through your son, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that that would be the center of our lives and our heart to help us to go through the trials and the struggles of our lives that no matter what happens to me, I am redeemed. No matter what struggle or trial I go through, I am redeemed, that I am in the palm of Jesus' hand and nothing can separate us from his love. And so, Lord, may we be encouraged with that today. And may we be encouraged with the hope of heaven. May we be encouraged today to do all we can to lead others to that same hope that we have in our heart. And God, I just pray that you would use our church as we continue to reach out to this community, reach out to our friends and family, that they may also come into this wonderful knowledge of what Christ has done for them. So we thank you for using us, even all our mistakes, and using them for your glory. And may we just go, God, as, as we go in this knowledge, Lord, may it just encourage us today. We just love you and we thank you. We thank you for your word. And we just ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Listen, uh, before you go today, if any of you need prayer for anything that you're going through today, our prayer partners will be here after the service just to pray with you up here at the altar. Otherwise, go in God's grace. God bless you. Amen. God is good. Have a great day.